Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi. And today we're recording episode, I think this is 52, and this is New Captain, the season 3 premiere. It's episode 3.01A. A? I don't know. I want to make it confusing. All right, cool. Awesome. <laughs> I don't do logistics on this podcast. I'm just a pretty voice or something. <laughs> Um, right on. Well, Carl, it's been a while since we did a podcast, and I know you and I recorded some that I have shamelessly, no, shamefully, not edited together yet, but, uh, you know. So all that timely shit about the World Wrestling Entertainment is going to be completely untimely by the time our listeners hear it and are completely uninterested in it. (laughs) I mean, I will probably release sort of a bunch of episodes altogether. One of them, unfortunately, is sitting... On the hard drive of my laptop, which is currently in, like, I don't know, Nevada, probably. Why did you send something to Nevada? Because I moved to Los Angeles, and Nevada is on the way from New York to L.A. I'll prevent myself from saying anything in case we have any fans in Nevada. I don't have any beef with Nevada. (laughs) It's a great big desert. I feel like I don't really need to hate on that. People make a living there. Good for them. The desert is hot. I have nothing to say on that subject. <laughs> so we're on season three now. I know, it's crazy. Despite the perils of summer vacation not being a vacation at all and you moving all the way across the country. Yeah, I mean, we're going we're gonna to do this as well as we can for as long as we can because we enjoy, as long as we enjoy this. Like, once it stops being fun, we'll have to reevaluate. But for now, this is still fun. <laughs> um, okay, well... So this was the season premiere. Um, I live-tweeted through it, so a lot of my feelings are already open. But we're going to talk about this. Um, Carl, what And I don't know what Twitter is, so... Twitter! Um, But hey, Carl... It's got a bird. (laughs) Hey, Carl, what happened in this episode? Uh, So in this episode, we were given a brief recap of things that happened at the end of last season. Um, Everything was thrown into turmoil by... uh, Jake and Amy kissing and once triumphing over Holt uh, and moving him to public relations and there being a new captain. So things fell out from that. The new captain was Bill Hader, this asshole named Dozerman who gave everyone, like, iPad watchdogs. Uh, Jake and Amy tried to figure out whether they were a thing. They fucked it up in, in, like, recognizable sitcom fashion but then saved the day by actually noticing what feelings are. Um... Boyle was thrown off the trail with a fictitious Jim Floozy. Rosa tried to uh, buck the yoke of Dozerman by uh, silly childish antics, despite Terry wanting her to be on the straight and narrow. Uh, Holt had to dress up as a giant pigeon after being forced to name that giant pigeon. And, uh, oh yeah, Dozerman died. (laughs) So your ship has a body count, folks. (laughs) Um, and then who comes in to take over? It's the... Uh... Some kind of bird. It's a bird-heavy episode. There's <laughs> a lot of birds in this episode, actually, now that you now you pointed out. Like two. Yeah. So that's more than there should be. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's do the hard work before we get to the A-plot. What's the hard work? Uh, the B and the C-plots. Oh, okay. Um, the Rosa Terry one was 
fine. I so I I enjoy them. I enjoy them as friends and allies. I do too. It was um, I don't think we have we seen that since uh, we haven't really seen that since the Giggle Pig arc, have we? Yeah, I don't know if that we have. I mean, I think that both Terry and Holt kind of uh, manage to command Rose's respect in a way that other people don't. Like, I think that she does respect the others, but it's not like a present she's giving. And that's not the case with Terry or Holt. Um, she does want to do right in Terry's eyes, even if she's going to make a stink about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. I did appreciate that, like, we saw that she, like, finishes all her tasks and apparently done some, like, six hours ahead. I mean, I'm worried about the dozer pads because it's, like, do a task every 55 minutes. And, like, yo, that's vague. Like, I can do a lot of tasks in 55 minutes, depending on how I define my to-do list. And Dozerman seems like he's interested in the stupidest of metrics. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe that's a little too much true to life. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't have to be a 55-minute task to be a task. So it could be something like, order lunch, eat lunch. Yes. It could be. Throw away lunch. Uh, clean up after lunch. Uh, process criminal. But every step of processing a criminal. Oh, that is terrifying and wonderful. Maybe she gamed the system. Let me rephrase. I hope she gamed the system. <laughs> well, she should. It's a game. It has backgammon on it. It was very clearly gamified, and gamification is supposed to make things better, but it often makes things worse because it's the motherfucking buzzword. <laughs> oh my god, I I work in tech, so gamification is everywhere for us, and it's just like it's such a thing. Over in publishing, we don't have strategies, so <laughs> that's rude and inaccurate. Um, but I can't give up my trade secret. <laughs> um, I. Yeah, I, going back though, I, I did I did like the I always have liked the Rosa Terry dynamic. I I kind of liked seeing Rosa in fine form. I don't know. I, it, maybe it's because you and I didn't spend the entire summer talking about this show this time, or maybe it's like because the season two finale was like really satisfying after a year that was sort of up and down. And we'll we'll you'll hear us talk more about that when I finally release our season two recap episode. We've recorded hours of talk about that. Right, right. I I was going to say that maybe it's those things, but it was just really refreshing. It was nice to have Rosa back, like, in my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She, she's a good pal and role model I don't know about if you that. want to be a violent misanthrope. <laughs> like, of the violent misanthropes on TV, she's the one who is most on the side of the angels. <laughs> What an upsetting thing to have to think about. Oh my goodness. Well, I've been watching a lot of How to Get It With Murder. Mm-hmm. So, like, TV's friggin' riddled with violent misanthropes. 
God, people on that show are stupid. How did you? I thought you. I thought you'd uh, washed your hands of that show once they, you know, expressed all their biphobia and erasure. It turns out that was just the one character. Yes. Like, the show didn't do enough in that episode to kind of highlight that fact. Mm-hmm. But I, someone tumbled some spoilers, and I was like, oh, the show does know about bisexuality, and is willing to commit to that. Okay. I guess I have no reason not to watch a show I was enjoying. Right on. I um, I don't know if I right enjoy- now I'm just feeling by right now I'm just feeling like oppressed by how much sex is in it. It's like it's a lot. No one can want sex that badly. Everyone in that show is only motivated by getting their dick wet. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's also part of the, like, soapy nature of the show. Sure, but, like, Empire, there's people who are motivated by things that aren't sex. Like power, or money. <laughs> These are other motivations. But no one that show is motivated by money, or even power. They're all motivated by sex. I would, only. I would, okay, this is not a How to Get Away with Murder podcast, but I would actually argue that a lot of the characters in How to Get Away with Murder are, in fact, motivated by power. But not necessarily, like, all-encompassing power, but rather power over each other. Sure. But, like... So, the, what I'm trying... What would be more accurate for me to say is they have other motivations. Mm-hmm. But when sex comes up, it wins. As a motivation. Every time. Yeah, I get that. Like, I see that. If they have the chance to do some sex that is wrong and is going to hurt their position in the world, they're going to do it every time. <laughs> In that regard, the show's almost predictable. Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of predictable plot turns, hey, our segue game is back. Um, hey, uh, let's talk about Holt and Wench and Gina. Oh, my God, Gina. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know you feel this I way. I hate her so much. <laughs> if she isn't fired... I will be very angry with this show. She is aggressively abusing her position. I mean, at every turn. And, like, that's like... Yeah. Yeah. She transferred a successful police captain to be in an apartment under her so she could consistently sexually harass and humiliate him. Did she? Okay. She should be sent to the ocean. She should be sent to the ocean. No disagreement. Um, refresh my memory. Uh, so I know that she's been, like, harassing him, like, professionally and, like, verbally abusing him, effect- like, yeah. arguably. Um, I don't remember any sexual harassment in this episode. I don't know if she sexually harassed him in this episode, but it's happened a lot. It's gonna happen again. I know they're gonna do it again. Oh, yeah. And she made him wear, and she made him wear a pigeon costume. Against, like, yeah. That's not explicitly sexual harassment, but, like, she is intentionally making him look like an ass to his, like, new subordinates when he's trying to establish himself in that department. And that's the only reason she put him there. Like, that's flagrantly illegal. Yeah. I mean, I'm not disagreeing. 
obviously, because duh, like I'm I'm a hundred percent on your side. Um, and you know what? I don't want to argue that. Like I agree with you. Like, I, it, some of it is funny in that it's about the personalities clashing. But when anytime Wunch plays her power card, it gets really uncomfortable really fast. I mean, yeah, their personalities are contrasting, but like. He may try to get some over on her, but she transferred him out of an apartment he wanted to be so that she could make a fool out of him. That shit gets you fired in a just society. Yeah. Yeah, and... and Don't matter if she doesn't like him. Like, it doesn't matter what your motive is for breaking the law. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, This is a rare case where intent really doesn't matter. Cool motive, still murder. The show has been pretty clear. <laughs> Quote the show back in itself. Uh, a great way to win an argument. Oh, I love it. Yep. Um, I, I, you know my feelings about the Holt Wench like situation entirely. I've been very vocal about them pretty much everywhere. Um, I, I want to talk about Gina in this episode. Like she was extraordinary. Yeah, she was. She tried to make a good situation. She tried to make a bad situation livable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, she also sort of, like, asserted herself as, like, sort of queen of the, well... Que- queen of these losers? Yeah, well, like, yeah. She was like, hi, I'm Gina Linetti, and I'm here. <laughs> like, I I appreciate anyone who's like, love me now. <laughs> well, or I guess rather, put it, I'll put it better. I think what I really like about the Gina scenes is that I, I, as much as I love her in the middle of the nine, nine sort of like one more bright spot in like, you know, an array of bright spots, like bright characters that, that really pop and have distinct, like really distinctive character characteristics from one another qualities from one another. It is also kind of nice to sort of see Gina in a space where like, all other players are sort of secondary and meaningless, and so she gets to be the the sort of self-made reality TV star, mob wife, dance mom that she truly is. Yeah. And I kind of and like her 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 larger than life personality is limitless, and I kind of love that because like I think it would be great if it were like a permanent situation, but knowing that it's sort of inherently temporary. Uh, allows me to sort of enjoy her being like entirely unfettered or or like you know have anything to really bump up against except Holt who is as we've seen before either permissive or uh, p- willing to play into all of Gina's crazy yeah she's really not facing any opposition in that department correct in fact I mean Holt knew what her reality TV show slash perfume line name would be. Although he did get it wrong. True, but the fact is that he had been privy to that conversation either directly or secondhand through Kevin, and I think that's wonderful. Oh, wait, wait. Before we go on, I did want to say one thing. Like, we mentioned that... um, I want to talk about one thing. I remember... So... You and I talked a little bit in the season two recap slash season three wish list episode that I haven't put out yet um, about uh, our sort of predictions about 
um, season three without Captain Holt. And uh, in this episode, like, we see a glimpse of that. We see Dozerman, um, who is sort of, like, like, as you said, like, rules-based and, like, task-driven, trying to run the precinct. Um, And by the way, those are all Amy characteristics, and I was really surprised they never, never interacted, question mark, but we'll get to that. Um, but, uh, Which are Amy characteristics? Uh, task-driven and quantitative. Ah, uh, right. Like, what is it that he says to Jake in their, like, r- like very random one-on-one? He says something like, I-, I could tell you were a... Uh, obsessively organized. I mean, he is describing Amy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> d- detail-oriented? Yeah, detail-oriented, like, with a real love for statistics or something like that. And I was like, that, that's... That's, I'm like 97% sure that's Amy. In fact, we saw her, we've seen her with multiple binders, and we saw her do the like deep dive into statistical analysis to help Holt uh, get over his bad mood in that one episode in season one. Like, yep. I was like, everything you just described, Dozerman, is Amy qualities. <laughs> um, well, Dozerman's a bad judge of character. Clearly. Uh, but. My point here was, like, we were talking in the episode I haven't released yet about how one of the things that will be interesting is seeing the precinct or getting a glimpse into the precinct as it was day-to-day pre-Holt. Um, like, we saw... This is, I think, going to be really different, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, now, that, now that I see what they're actually up against. Oh, yeah. Th- like, this is a very different squad than existed in the McGinley days. Like, they actually, like, know how to function as a coherent unit? Um, I, so I agree. I also think, though, that, I think, I think we were, I think you're right, and I think our past selves were partially right as well, in that we are going to get a glimpse, we did get a glimpse into what life was like under not hold, like, I don't know, when Terry was like, look, I'm just trying to keep my head down and get my work done. The captain's orders are still in effect, even though he's dead. Um, I was like, this is, like, this This is a coping mechanism Terry had to deal with when under the McGinley years, right? Like, I don't know, it was just kind of... Get, getting all the tasks done? Well, yes, but also just sort of, like, being the one who's making sure everything continues even when everything's on fire, you know? Mm. I don't know. I I was, I'm not articulating this well, and maybe one of the people who write into us will be able to do that, but, like, I don't know. I had this feeling on occasion in the Rosa Holt, in, sorry, in the Rosa Terry plotline, where I was like, some of this is probably what pre-Holt, you know, absentee McGinley, Terry effectively in charge was like. Probably, and it's interesting to see how quickly he fell into the captain role when Dozerman died. Like, he didn't struggle with it at all. Yes, exactly. Uh, which leads me to think he might get promoted at some point. Ooh. I don't know if he wants to be officer track, but he has had to be the captain for this precinct before, and he has to be the captain for this precinct again. Yeah, and I think... Um... I believe, okay, so I believe this is like going outside of the show into like real life stuff that impacts the television program. 
But I believe yeah. everyone is signed for five-year minimum contracts. Right. Um, and I would, I mean, as LaToya was saying that, like, if Andre Bauer decided to just straight up leave, like, there, th- this episode demonstrated that the show has options and exit strategies if they want to take them. Right. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if Andre Bauer decided to leave before Terry Crews does, um, for Terry's character to get, you know, promoted to being the captain of the precinct in, in, in like, in truth. Sure. I don't think that's going to happen, though. I mean, I, I don't know what the future holds. (laughs) Like, I think that this is a good, like holding pattern show for Andre Brower. Like, and I don't think he would leave it before the five-year contract. No, no. I mean, I'm, I'm saying if he chooses not to extend her and everyone else does or something. I don't know. I mean, right. again, I don't know what the future holds and I don't really know. Who am I to speculate on his career? I'm not even, I'm hardly a Hollywood insider. Um, but that was, Yeah. I don't know. I going back to the B plot though. Sure. I I'm interested in seeing how that shakes out because as much as I I have like a I have a te, I have a turbulent relationship with the Wunch character because I really like Madeline Wunch. I think I think my problem with her character is I that think you like the actress. I do really like, like the actress. I also and I, I'm aware of that and like. I mean, I also like the Vulture's actor. He's great. Because uh, he's he's always, like, this douchebag, terrible person character. And apparently he's just the nicest guy in real life. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, I just love that. But not, not the, not, yes, you're right in that part of it is I love Kira Sedgwick. But I do also think, and this is something that I've dealt with before in, in other shows, Glee, looking right at you, um, which is another Fox show upon realization. Um, no, the thing I like most about Wunsch is how much potential that character has. Um, and, and I hate that she's like this, you know, abusive force in Ray Holt's life. Like, it's... But that's what she is, like... Right, and I, I hate that, and like, I know that that's like part and parcel of like, what she is now. At the same time, like, you know, I, I, part of me is like, but maybe they'll make it work. Like, no. and, and I think I have to let that dream go. Just let it fly away. Like, this is who she is. I know. She can't change at this point in her trajectory. No, not after a season's worth of. Like, they can try to change her, but you don't, like, come back from this. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean,. We saw, there was, at the end of last season, she almost seemed regretful that she couldn't reverse the promotion or whatever. That was stalling, though. I agree. Like, you can try to put your headcanon here, but it doesn't fit. Oh, no, I don't care. I don't care about that anymore. Like, I'm willing to let it go. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like 20 minutes of hard work is enough, don't you? Uh, should we get into the A-plot? Um, so one 
one choice that I really liked that the show made was picking up right where the season two finale ended. Um, and I was actually really surprised that we got it previously on. That was like that was like a kind of a ooh fancy kind of moment there. The previously on was a little nonsensical. <laughs> I, f- I felt like the things that they chose to bring back were like sort of relevant. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm thinking of a different show with a ridiculous previously on. I'm not sure. Was it How to Get Away with Murder? <laughs> No, I haven't seen any previously on for How to Get Away with Murder yet. Because uh, it's like that shows like fifteen percent flashbacks in every episode. Oh my god, you're right, and that I think that was what drove me crazy about that first season. You mean the season that exists? Well, the second season just debuted. Have you watched the episode? No. Is it doing the same thing? I don't know. You maybe slow your roll. Oh no! Does it? Are there more fucking? <laughs> Flashbacks? Garbage. I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't finished the first season. All right, all right. Um, I only found out I wanted to watch it yesterday. (laughs) And Um, I was on episode three. That's right. You did quit early. Oh, my goodness. There's so many more episodes in this season than I thought. Who puts 15 episodes in a drama? Dramas used to run 22. 15 is generous. Well, people used to be fucking insane. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, oh boy, that, that, I mostly watch How to Get Away with Murder because I know if I don't, I'm missing something. Like, I'm missing a piece of cultural touchstone, so. Yeah, but there's so many of those. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I know, but right now it's like the thing people are talking about, and I'm just like, ah, oh, fine, I have to watch this now. Like, I wish people in my life were all watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine instead of anything else, because I most consistently watch this show. Speaking of, I checked out that show Quantico. I don't think Jake could make it at Quantico. (laughs) Quantico. He's too too dumb and out of shape. (laughs) That is accurate. Oh, man. Should we talk about the Jim Floozy? I I was really annoyed Boyle used that word. Uh, yeah, Boyle is, um, a sexist, slut-shaming individual. I think we knew this. We we knew about the slut-shaming. Um. Yeah. Although, weirdly, he he's slut-shaming in the sort of abstract, but, like, with specific people, he basically gives zero fucks. I mean, if the fandom wants him to be the best thing about the fandom, they have to accept that he's also going to be the worst thing about the fandom. Right? Like, if he's going to be captain of the ship, he's going to do the bad things that shippers do, too. Oh, that's so real, Carl. I just, like, had, like, a visceral reaction to that. You know what the fandom does when the ship goes the wrong way. You know what they do. I've seen a lot of fandoms go a lot of ways, Carl. Yes. I mean, you're not wrong, obviously. You've been around. You've seen things. Uh... That I don't, you were just so on point that I like had like had a had a moment of like a physical reaction to that. I'm a helper. <laughs> You're a helper. Um, I really. I so I think that the Jim Floozy was a shallow cover. Mm-hmm. Is what I think about the Jim Floozy. I think that Boyle took in a gross direction. As he has done with many things in the past. Fucking hair washing? showers. Ugh. People like that. Uh, People like they? a lot of dumb things. 
do they? I really fucking hate that joke. I wanted to, and that, and like the okay, 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 cool, 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 cool. I want those both. You jokes liked to be that done. joke though. You liked that joke one times ago. You do that shit to me all the time. Okay, I will admit it is very quotable. But like, this is a sitcom staffed by funny people. They can do better. Probably. I think that it's, um, I think it's evolving usefully. Like, I think the way it was used this episode was cool. Like, I think it was a good way to use it, honestly. That's how I felt about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think the date section got cut a little bit short. Maybe. I found the date, se- the date section, like, pretty awkward. <laughs> but it was so, like... And not just because they were being awkward, like... Amy's Domori Gato. I was like, oh, Amy. <laughs> it was... That... That was so... You are hopeless. You were... You were terrible. It was so great. <laughs> it was so great. Do you... I... I, I don't... I won't say I've been on that date, but, like... Oh, man. That scene resonated too hard. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I mean, maybe I'm just better at dates than them. Very possible. Um, I've probably been on some bad dates, but... I've also been dating more recently than you have. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, somebody, somebody tweeted at Melissa Fumero uh, how four drink Amy is the one who's kind of a perv. Yeah, that's true. That's been on the tumbles. It's been well explored on the tumblers. And, and someone was like, so did Amy make the first move? And she like tweeted back some like sly emoji. And I was like, just, I was on the treadmill and I almost fell off. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> it's important that like the subtext be that Amy made the first move. Because she's the only one who can, like, undo the rule. Yeah. I also, and, and you know, again, referencing conversations we had that other people haven't heard yet. Um, Yay. I, I guess we can skip to the, ahead to this a little bit. I, which is that Amy making that big gesture by showing up at Jake's place and saying uh, that the only person I wanted to talk about that stuff with was you was, like, a long time coming. Right? Like... Yeah, that was that was great. That was what we wanted. Yeah, that was... Well, especially, like, like me yelling about it that all was the time. Indi- that was an indication of her, you know, positively expressing her feels and giving an actual, like, you're the person I want to talk to about stuff is a good reason to be in a relationship with someone. Yes, yes. Like, if there's someone it's easier to talk to than anyone else... And, like, you find them pretty, you should be in a relationship with that person if there aren't huge obstacles. Yes, and I and I know for myself, because I can only speak for myself, like, that was a big piece of, like, what I wanted to see from her side, you know? Like, like we... <laughs> I do appreciate Jake's, like, blinking you. It's like, why am I even attracted to you? Never mind, we're already here. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. And, and it just, it was, I just couldn't help but think about how, like, you know, we get, we get a lot of Jake's, we do get a lot of Jake's perspective. He's the main fucking character. Um, Yo. And, uh, and so we know, we, we know why Jake likes Amy. We know what about her he finds attractive. We know, we know how much respect and admiration he has for her, but also that he finds her hot, which is great. Right? 
Yeah. That's like it's like it's like you said. If there's somebody that you want to talk to and you find them pretty, lock that shit down. Um, and 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 so we see by having a light and breezy relationship. Sure, <laughs> we'll get to that. But like, I I know why I as the audience really like and enjoy Jake. But I as the audience get to see a lot of Jake's like vulnerable moments. You know, and I told you earlier, like we don't get that. Like, Amy doesn't get to be there for really any of those really difficult or trying or, like, you know, hard-on-your-sleeve kind of moments, except for the ones where she's directly involved. Or the ones where she finds out he's, like, his grandmother calls him pineapples. Which we didn't see! Oh, I would have... I still hope we see that. Um, but it, But the time has passed. I know. One day. But I... We saw in the last episode when they, in, in the season two finale, when, when they went on their fake date, she says, he makes me laugh. And that was probably the first time in a long time that we had seen, like, we had, we had gotten Amy, like, in the center of the frame, having a reaction to Jake that fed into her romantic context for him. Right. And in this episode, we hear her say, there's nobody else I'd rather talk about that stuff with than you. And it's like, one, my fears about her being um, relegated to love interest area are a little assuaged for now. And two, um, I hope we see more of that. I hope we see more of, like, sort of Amy's interiority. You know, hopefully starting with Jake, but sort of building out beyond that. I feel like they're it it they're establishing an easy precedent for that. Like the ball's in their court, and like they can definitely screw it up from here. <laughs> I believe in them, but uh, it would be easier not to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be easier for all of us, right? If they just fucking nail it, like they just have to stick the dismount. It's easy. Um, hmm. But like. And like, that is one of the hard parts in gymnastics. <laughs> well, you know, endings are hard. How do you get out of a good bit? How do you know when to stop? How do you know when the story's over? Um, dismounts are the same thing. Whatever. Not the point. The point is... Mm. point is, I... Good talk. I'm sorry? I said, mm, good talk. <laughs> My... It's really difficult for me to get in one-liners over the phone. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I guess, I guess, like, my, my big thing is I hope we keep seeing Amy articulate. Because, like, I hope we keep seeing Amy articulate her, her feelings about Jake and hopefully her feelings and perspectives about other things. I really like hearing her voice, like, both literally and sort of, like, metaphorically in the writing sense so right yeah and i'm i'm actually i feel like really happy with sort of the pace and the like trajectory of the relationship in this episode i kept having like like you know referee signaling for field goal moments you know (laughs) while watching this episode like on the treadmill like i almost fell off a few times from laughing or just cheering i was so happy and i think um 
the fact that, like, you know, some schmuck like me can feel so attached to these two fictional characters, that's important. Yeah, it is. It's like... Yeah. We have to be invested in both of them for, like, Amy's character to kind of survive on her own merits. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I... I feel like I know Jake. I I would like to believe that this, the dating situation, the like relationship, the the way that they're sort of they're not keeping it light and breezy and casual, thankfully. But like, you know, they're I ho- I do hope they continue to sort of take the emotional stuff kind of slow. Yeah. And I and I hope in the course of that, we get to know Amy in the way we've gotten to know Jake. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. Well, I feel like any other tactic is just not viable. Because you end up with Amy being the thing I don't want her to be, which is the love interest. I think she, like, she was so in control of the pacing of their relationship in this episode that I can't really see that being possible. I agree. Like I mean, she, she set the pace. She's the one who made it possible to go on. Like it's, it's a, a very easy headcanon that she's the one who initiated sex, and like she's the one who shut it down. She's the one who started it back up. I, I really like the idea of Amy being, of Jake being the one who initiated their relationships, sort of like poss- potential in existence, but Amy being the one who initiates perpetuation. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. like little things, like the fact that she grabs his hand and pulls him into a dark corner of the evidence room. Like, I think that those yeah, are all... Yeah, like, she's been in charge of the physical escalation at a number of points. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he kissed her first, but she's the one who, like, you know, I don't know. I think the second kiss was more meaningful for, like, it having momentum. If you know what I mean, in the, in the finale of the previous season. Say that again. I think that the second kiss in Johnny and Dora was more meaningful in terms of escalation of momentum than the first one. Well, this is happening. That kiss. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting if, like, sort of the emotional, like the parts where, like, you know. It'll be interesting if Jake is the one who sort of pushes on the emotional stuff and Amy's the one consistently initiating the physical stuff. Yeah. Like, into the future, because, um... Because she's, like, she's not shy about it. It's cool. Like, she she doesn't seem like how I would have expected her to be in a relationship, and I'm enjoying that. Agreed. I, I was going to say it's also a quiet gender inversion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Um, I feel like I could ramble on a, a bit more about how much I loved this episode. I just, I really enjoyed it. And like, as time has gone by, I keep thinking about it fondly. So I must have really enjoyed the hell out of it. And I'm, I'm really excited for the vulture to be the captain. Cause I, I was tweeting that, like, I feel like a lot of things that you and I have been missing from the show in the second season, things that were on our season three wish list, which, you know, again, everyone will hear eventually, um, were things that the vulture can facilitate or um, sort of uh, catalyze. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm excited to see how the new captaincy shakes out. I'm also excited to see how you and I doing this remotely from far away work out. We'll see. It's definitely harder so far, but yeah. Uh, well, we'll see how it works. Yeah. Interesting to hear how this episode breaks down. Yeah. And I mean, like, it, it'll be a challenge. And like I said, we'll do it until it's not fun anymore. Um, but for now, I think the show is going to stay really fun. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously excited for the next episode. Which yeah, is... sounds like they have a plan. I mean, the first two episodes are in a mini arc, and the vulture thing has momentum. They, while he's around, they can't not use him. Yeah. So they've kind of tied themselves to the mast. I hope it works out. I'm. I... Dan Gore gave an interview to The Hollywood Reporter where he talked about some of the stuff that's coming up in the season, and it sounded promising to me. So, I'm cautiously optimistic. Same. Same. Which is not where we were a couple weeks ago, so that's good. Yeah, especially because a couple weeks ago I was ambivalent about the premiere, and now I'm kind of jazzed. So that's really good. Cool. Um, I don't have any... I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about? We have some notes that I have that we could bring up, but... For the most part, my, like, general satisfaction with this episode means I don't have a lot to say. I think we're good. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sticking around and finding your way back to us after the long summer. Yeah. Hey, tell us about your summers if you want to. I mean, do what you want. Live your life. But, you know, tell us about your summer. Tell us how you felt about this episode. Tell us what you're looking forward to in the next um in the next mini arc that's happening. My guess is that Holt will be back uh, seven episodes in, and I'm kind of hoping they plan that to be after Halloween, because I think that'll be more interesting. Also because November sweeps are after Halloween, you guys. That's when big things happen on TV shows. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah. Audience, feel free to hit us up. We'll be, we'll be around, kind of, doing our best. We try really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next episode. And until then, uh, from both of us to all of you, this has been Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye!